In this episode of The Interface, I speak with Chris Ranwell, Global Director of Product Management for Amphenol Advanced Sensors. Chris has been with Advanced Sensors and its various iterations for his entire 27-year career. We talk about the design and development of their newest product, the Breachmaster Pro, which came about from watching repair being done in his kitchen. We talk about studying agriculture in college and figuring out being a farmer may not be the best career choice for him. We talk about being a volunteer firefighter and a high school rugby coach on the side. And we discuss his Desert Island album, book, and movie. This is The Interface. Chris, where am I catching you today for this recording? Well, firstly, Chris, thanks for inviting me along. This is exciting. Uh, I'm in southern Maine, a small little fishing town in southern Maine. Uh, I've never been to Maine. That's one of the handful of states in the U.S. I've never been to. What do you like about Maine? Well, the lobster's great. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's kind of a little quieter. We've got mountain skiing yeah the ocean is it's pretty nice winters are long dark and cold though but the summer makes up for it right yeah and and, the lobster. yeah and the lobster is it all year round with the lobster you can get them all year round but it's kind of from you know like may really they start fishing yeah again so yeah, I, I have to get up there sometime. Um, maybe I will, but yeah, I would yeah, definitely... I'll, I'll take you out for a nice lobster dinner. For I, sure. I'm, I'm in then, absolutely. Uh, I'd probably wait till at least Memorial Day because I'm not a big fan of the cold, so I'll skip that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chris, I, I want to thank you for being on the podcast today. Um, I've been looking forward to this. And the reason that I actually reached out to you to do this is because... Uh, I saw a great article that you wrote that was actually posted on LinkedIn that was talking about some of the work you do. Um, And first, I wanted to ask you just to describe the work you do and who you work for, um, for Amphenol. So, yes, I work for Amphenol Advanced Sensors. Uh, I'm a global product manager, and I look after the gas and moisture product line. And within the gas and moisture product line, we have several different product groups. Uh, one of which was uh, our protometer handheld instruments that were sold to home inspectors and flood damage instru- um, flood damage restoration and mm-hmm. so on. And that's the article that you saw on LinkedIn. Then we also make CO2 sensors, humidity sensors that are predominantly used for building control and ventilation control within commercial buildings. And then we also have sensors that go in, in vehicles as well. So particulate sensors for measuring cabin air quality, CO2 sensors for measuring cabin air quality, and uh, you know any gas leak detection from CO2 air conditioning systems in vehicles. So I've been with the company for uh, 26 years. Wow. It's very exciting. So originally um, I was with a company called Protometer, which was the company that we originally talked about and you, that you saw the uh, LinkedIn article on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, that was owned by a company called Spirant at the time. Uh, and then it was then I moved from the UK to the US in 1999 okay. uh, to start the distribution of that particular product with, within the, the US and Canada. And then in 2001, we were purchased by General Electric and we were held by General Electric until 2013, when luckily we were bought by Amphenol, which has been really, really good for us. Oh, so that's a okay. brief yeah. <laughs> Okay. What did you like about the fact that uh, you went from GE to Amphenol then? What was it that changed for you, at least in your mindset? 
I think we really like the kind of small men, uh, company mentality that uh, yeah. that we have, you know, from division to division. Whereas, you know, with a big corporate company, it's it's more difficult to influence uh, yourself on the business. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, we've we found a really good home at Am- when we came to Amphalol, and uh, we've grown our business since, and uh, we've built tremendous amount of momentum across the sense of business and uh, that continues to, to do really well. Where are your uh, manufacturing and design facilities located? Yeah. So for our section of advanced sensors, yeah. um, we're headquarters in St. Mary's, Pennsylvania. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then we have uh, facilities in, in China, two facilities in China, one in South Korea uh, and one in the UK, uh, as well as some engineering groups in, in India as well. So it gives you a chance, well, pre-pandemic at least, to, to certainly get around and, and see a number of different areas. Now, are you just responsible, are you responsible globally for uh, the product development or are you uh, just more regional-based? No, so, so it's a global responsibility within yeah. the gas and moisture line. So okay. I've got yeah. to mention that a lot of our products are made in Tier 1. In fact, it's our biggest facility in Mexico. Um, and so a lot of the products that... I'm involved in creating and helping uh, with the engineering team with a, a built in Tijuana, Mexico. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, it's a global responsibility. And, you know, some of our products are products that um, a customer has driven in terms of here's a specification, design and quote the specification, or potentially a customer says, hey, we'd like to co develop a specification for this application for, for, for you. And that's kind of. Um, a large part of the advanced sensors business. The protobeta business that you saw the LinkedIn article on, which is a handheld instrument, that's more like we're going to take all our customer information and our knowledge that we have on the application, right. knowledge that we have on instrumentation. We're going to design a product to the best of our ability and sell it to a lot of different people. Yeah. So it's quite different disciplines uh, for, the, for those different areas of uh, product design. So how did the how did the Reachmaster Pro? First of all, let me ask you what exactly it is, and then I'll ask you how it came about. So if you could you know, give us your thirty to sixty second elevator speech. Sure. <laughs> I mean, you can always type in Reachmaster Pro on YouTube. Yeah, that's too easy. Yeah. I want you to tell us. All right. So we make uh, handheld moisture meters for detecting moisture in buildings, yeah. and you want to be able to measure the moisture in buildings, obviously, because you want to prevent. Uh, decay, mold growth, et cetera. Right. Uh, and so, you know, home inspectors, flood damage restoration, people like SurfPro, Service Master, those people you may have heard of. Oh, yeah. We use our meters, particularly when there's a flood. They'll go in, they'll suck out all the water, and then they'll start putting air movers and dehumidifiers, and then they'll read the moisture readings in the building's materials, or the humidity and temperature coming out of the dehumidifier. And all that information needs to be recorded, and since the insurance company are going to pay for the claim. Mm-hmm. And um, the Reachmaster is another moisture meter, but it's kind of different in the way that you can imagine a handheld, a bit like a stud finder, yeah. you would use it on a wall. Um, well, often you'd find um, people crawling around on their hands and knees using the device on a floor. Mm-hmm. And um, the Reachmaster is a telescopic moisture meter, so it's the moisture meter on the end of a telescoping rod, and you walk around with it like uh, a walking stick, essentially, detecting moisture. 
And what it allows you to do is very, very rapidly assess the moisture problem in the building mm -hmm. uh, and very, very safely. And there's no you know, ladders to go in. There's uh, no crawling around on your hands and knees. With, with Often they've ripped up floors uh, and there's, there's nails and so on and so forth. So it, um, it, in fact, the idea came about, and that was what the article was about, in fact, was that I had a flood in my own kitchen mm -hmm. And I watched the guys crawling around with actually one of our meters. Um, That's good. Uh, That's always on, good. Yeah, <laughs> on uh, their hands and knees across my kitchen floor, which they just ripped up. Yeah. And he was putting on knee pads and gloves because he didn't want to get stung, stung by the, 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 the nails and staples and so on that were sticking up. And uh, I kind of thought we've got to do something about this and make it easier. And went back to the engineering team with some sort of feasibility. And, uh, you know, 18 months later, we came out with the Reachmaster Pro, which has done really, really well. And people yeah. really, really enjoy it. Like it. I can imagine. And I was it one of those things? I, mean, I don't know who exa exactly, if it was you that just sitting in your kitchen going, oh, my goodness, I have an idea here. And then 18 months later, you make that happen, obviously, with a lot that of That was pretty much it, yeah. yeah it was. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Nobody else, none of our competitors have anything like that. And so, yeah, it was just kind of a, exactly that. We, I came up with the idea by just watching them use our meters. And that, it kind of, like, in some ways, you think, we will spend more time with our customers, watching them in the field, using our products. And that's... You know, traditionally we try to do that. Obviously, we're not when we're designing new products, we want to make them dead easy to use and mm -hmm. extremely useful, and you know, the best available on the market. And so we, have, and we know a lot about the application as well. But you know, sometimes you're going to miss things, and you know, that was an instance where we felt, hey, there's an opportunity for a, a product in a new space here that really has no competitors. Um, and so it's, uh, you know, it, it's been really, really well adopted in the industry. <laughs> was it one of those ideas that you had where early on, at least in the, in the uh, thought process of it, you're going, someone else must have thought of this before. This is too simple, right? This is, this is, it, you just put it on a, a, on a, you know, basically a broomstick looking device, right? And you just oh, go, I, well, I, someone I mean must have done this, right? We, we did have inspectors using those, um, you know, those those claw hooks for picking up trash. Yeah, and trying yeah. to attach a moisture meter to the end of it. Yeah, and we do have. There is another company who has one of those sticks with, and they put their moisture meter on the end of it. But of course, the display is now six feet <laughs> away from it, so right. you can't really read it that well. Right. Whereas the Reefmaster, the display is at the top of the instrument, the sensor is at the bottom. Mm -hmm. It connects via Bluetooth, and you can see it and use it easily. Yeah. So you must have thought, I guess you thought, oh, no, no one's got this. I know no one has this. So we can, we can design this. This must have been incredibly satisfying, though. I mean, even for you personally to know, wow, I kind of thought of this just sitting around in my kitchen watching these poor guys on their hands and knees trying not to hurt themselves on exposed nails. And 18 months later, we've developed a product now that's pretty darn successful and will help a tremendous amount of people. Yeah, and um, then the, the real nice thing is, well, a few nice things is the first that you get that product through from engineering. And yeah. It's working prototype, and you think, oh, yeah, this is really going to work. Yeah. And then you get the final box, like you can see behind me on the video. But yeah. You get, uh, uh, and then, but the most satisfying thing 
is to hear the comments from the customers. Of course. And talk to customers about how they're using it, how they found it. You know, when I get customers who say, I've got three of them and they fight for them every day before they go out on a job. Or a home inspector said, I think I would have given up home inspecting if I didn't have this because carrying the ladder around yeah. the house is just too much for me. Yeah. So that's the really satisfying yeah, I can imagine so. So, I mean, congratulations to you, uh, to the team there for for designing this, and I'm glad to see that so far it's such a hit. Um, well, I have to I have to really give a lot of credit to the engineering team who really came up with uh, the, the mechanical design and the software design on it because you know these things have to be extremely durable, and the user face interface has to be extremely easy uh, for our customers. Our customers don't, typically don't read instructional manuals. They want to be able to turn it on it to be that intuitive that they, you know, can use it straight away. Right, right. No, and it's a good point. And I'm, this isn't something that I think you were probably, you know, in your garage in Southern Maine no, designing no, on your own. <laughs> no, coding and CAD design is not my forte. <laughs> well, it's it's a good segue then. So what what was your, you know, going back to a young Chris oh. Randwell, yeah. Uh, growing up in, in the UK then, what was your background as you were in school and trying to figure out what you wanted to do and go to university and all that? What 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 were some of your thoughts when you were, say, 18, 19, 20 years old? Well, you won't believe this, but I was in farming. Really? So, uh, yeah, I started working on the farm when I was 14, I think, and um, ended up going to agricultural college studying agriculture. And... Um, uh, and, and at the end of that, went on a work study of, abroad, working in, in agriculture as well. When I came back, I thought, yeah, this farming is hard work and not much money. <laughs> so <laughs> I actually started then in construction for a small time. And then I got a, a call from a friend of mine who said, hey, this company, Protometer, I'm working for, they're looking for somebody to do the instruments for agriculture. Mm. And uh, that was in 1994. And I started working for Protometer and I haven't looked back since as you remember I yeah I was there for five years then came to the U.S. to start the U.S. distribution of, Pro of Protometer so so yeah that's a little brief history. Describe to me or give us an example of what a typical agriculture class would be like in in college. Well, <laughs> <laughs> is it we seed, seeds students. 101? I mean like what yeah. is it? <laughs> I mean, Photo photosynthesis everything you want to know about photosynthesis i'm yeah, I'm, did, I'm joking did, i'm being naive we, yeah. we did crop management yeah. we did you know accounting we did you know pig breeding yeah. <laughs> a whole range of different studies <laughs> um but yeah so typically we you know we cover uh, arable crop you know uh, arable farming and livestock farming and uh, you know business accounting etc well, so it was pretty good. We, I played a lot of rugby and hockey. <laughs> Ooh, I, I love rugby. I actually I love watching rugby on TV here when they have it on in the weekends. So uh, good for you. That means I won't mess with you too much because uh, <laughs> you cannot be a, a wallflower and be uh, a rugby player. That's for sure. So farming was, I can understand it, not being an incredibly lucrative career, and especially for the amount of work you have to put in. Um, yeah. So you get into uh, this business what was it initially that you thought, hey, I, I kind of like this? I guess I've always been a bit of a gadget person. Okay. So, um, you know, to, to work in instrumentation and designing products, 
the first product that I was involved with, with uh, from a product management standpoint, was a moisture meter for measuring moisture in grain, mm-hmm. uh, mm. uh, sold to farmers across the world. So it was kind of like really easy for me to jump into that. And um, so uh, just generally the electronics business, I've been around that for, for many, many years. And uh, the product creation process is something that I really enjoy. What are some of the other projects uh, and products that you've worked on over the years, ultimately the latest being uh, the ReachMaster Pro, but some of the other ones that you're very proud of over your 27 years? At one point, you know, I took on the responsibility of one of our brands called Teller, Mm -hmm. and uh, Teller makes CO2 sensors um, for HVAC. And uh, it was a very aging product line. Um, I don't think we'd had a redesign for 15 or 18 years of, of the transmitter level product. And so we built out a complete product line, um, which was kind of a little different. It was because there's so many different options for these sensors to meet all the needs of the HVAC contractors. Mm-hmm. Uh, we made something that was very modular so that you could make lots and lots of options without having to stock lots and lots of different parts. So it's, uh, you know, you piece parts together and it's worked really, really well. And the yeah. product's been uh, now on the market for probably 10 years and been really, really successful. And we're controlling ventilation in buildings and saving energy in buildings all around the world. No, that's great. Um, and what's the name of it? I don't know if you said it and I uh, missed it. Teller Ventostat. So it's still going strong 10 years later. Still going really, really strong, yeah. So you said that you moved to the U.S. to handle uh, the distribution uh, back in in 1999. Um, So coming from the U.K. and moving Mm -hmm. and uprooting and and moving to the U.S., uh, how did that work out, at least initially? I mean, how long did it take you to adjust? Did you miss the U.K.? Do you still miss it? Uh, so, yeah, I came for two years, 26 years ago. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be the case quite often. I've talked to you. Yeah. I was only supposed to be 18 months and 10 <laughs> years later. Yeah. No, we had a great, we've had a really great experience. And, um, you know, we've, we've always been in New England, which we've really enjoyed. Massachusetts now in Maine. And uh, our children were four and six when we moved here. Mm-hmm. So uh, they've done all their schooling here. They lost their accents within, their English accent within a few months, I yeah. think. And, uh, you know, you wouldn't know now that they were, they were <laughs> English children. But, yeah. uh, no, uh, uh, stuff about, I, I, the, you know, when we first came here, I missed watching the English football, the yeah. soccer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now I can see more it live English soccer in America than they can in the UK. Yeah. So I've been uh, so so, but but apart from that, not not a huge man. Apart from family, obviously. Yeah. Okay. Um. What what team do you root for? Just out of curiosity. I am a Tottenham Hotspur fan. Okay. All right. Because th- that'll be the question that I get asked. Like, oh, he said he loves you know football <laughs> and he's a Premier League fan. You got to ask him what team he roots for. Yeah, no, well, in England, the team you support rather runs in the family. So my father, grandfather, and my son are all Tottenham Hotspur fans. And originally, my family was all from uh, northeast London. So So now that um, you've been here for a long time, and obviously you like the lobster and all that, what else do you like to do in your free time then when uh, you're not developing these great new sensor products? (laughs) Well, um I was um, 
when I was living in Massachusetts, I volunteered uh, to be the coach of the rugby team at the high school. So I did that for eight seasons, I think. Nice. And then recently, I've just become a volunteer firefighter in our local town, oh. which has been tremendous fun. Yeah, um, it's, it's very commendable yeah. of you. Yeah. Well, yeah, I get to drive the truck occasionally. So <laughs> <laughs> that's the payback. Yeah, I mean, every little boy when they're five years old wants to be either a fireman or an astronaut. Exactly. So, yeah, you finally right. fulfilled that dream. That's fantastic. What yeah. what made you decide to do that? Just just out of curiosity, all of a sudden to become a volunteer firefighter. Do you know, I grew up in a small village in England, and they had a volunteer firefighter uh, service there. And uh, I can remember being at the butcher's counter with my mum when I was probably eight, seven or eight, maybe even younger. And they didn't have radios, but the big siren went off at the fire station. Yeah. The guy threw down his apron and ran out the door off to the fire. And I thought, oh, that'd be a really cool thing to do one day. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah so that's, that's why. So. Yeah, you should maybe help him out with fire sensors then, huh? At least yeah, well, you know, unfortunately, you know, that, that has actually brought about a couple of ideas because I would say 80% of our calls yeah. are false alarms from smoke sensors or carbon monoxide sensors. Yeah. Wow. That, I don't doubt it. I don't yeah. doubt it at all. So, and, and then as far as being a rugby coach is concerned, so how, how prevalent is rugby in high school in Massachusetts? I didn't realize that this was a high school. Pretty big. About yeah. 22 teams in the greater Boston area have wow. high school teams, and it's growing. Yeah. Uh, and it's growing because I think um, it's a spring sport, mm-hmm. and um, so there's no football in the spring. Uh, and also from a concussion protocol stand, uh, standpoint in football, um, a lot of parents have realized that, you know, believe it or not, that rugby actually is uh, more like, in terms of injuries, more like soccer. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though you don't have pads, it's a very, and it's a very physical game, the fact that you're protecting yourself because you don't have pads, you mm-hmm. don't need pads as a weapon. So it, it is a physical game, but the kids have really, really enjoyed it. And I really enjoy coaching them too. Yeah, I, I can... I- you know, having played sports all my life, I could understand that aspect of it, that you watch it on TV, and I, and I love to watch it myself. It is an incredibly physical game. Yeah. However, they're not having helmet-to-helmet or head-to-head contact. Um, it, their, their form is actually perfect when they tackle um, it physically. So you're yeah. very rarely is the head involved, much less so than football, uh, the American football. I, I would agree with you. That's self-preservation. Really. Right, right. You don't want to hurt yourself. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, no, that's excellent. Um, and again, I'm I'm a big fan of all that stuff. And so, uh, you know, as far as volunteering as well, I always love to see that with people in local communities. So, um, you know, on behalf of your towns, thanks. <laughs> I guess for what it's worth. <laughs> Nothing to thank me for. <laughs> I haven't done much <laughs> in the you, You've done enough. Um, <laughs> So I'll, I'll end the conversation then, and I, and I forewarned you. Um, I'd like to, apparently, I am semi-ripping off something from the BBC of Desert Island, <laughs> Desert Island Juice, Jukebox or Desert Island Disc, which is, which is fine. I will freely admit that. Um, but I stick you, Chris Ranwell, on a Desert Island. You're by yourself. You don't need the Reachmaster Pro because the water is right in front of you, so you don't need any, uh, any sort of moisture meter. It's right there. Um, but I allow you to have 
one album, one book, and one movie to entertain yourself while you're there. So we'll start with the album. Which album would you pick? Oh, well, definitely Pink Floyd, The Wall. The Wall. Uh, okay. Yeah, definitely. That's you're not going to go Pink Floyd, The Movie, too, are you? Because... No, no I can't do that. <laughs> be double dipping. <laughs> yeah. Not only double dipping, but is, I mean, the album is is uh, definitely eclectic enough. The movie is is darn near insane. So, uh, uh, okay. So, Pink Floyd, The Wall, a great one. And it's long enough, too, being a double album. So, it would certainly keep you occupied exactly. for a while. Exactly. How about a book? Um, well, you know, I told you I was a Tottenham Hotspur uh, fan, so there's a book called Glory, Glory Days um, about Tottenham Hotspur in the 60s when they won the double. Uh, it's been a long time since we've won anything since, but they did in the <laughs> 60s win that. It's called the Glory, Glory Days. Yeah. Okay. I have not read that, so I'll freely admit. No, I imagine. You were expecting War and Peace or something. No, well, I mean, again, that would be long enough to keep you entertained is a strong word, but at least busy. Um, Exactly. So, uh, okay, and then finally, we'll end with the movie. Which movie would you choose? Well, the movie choice is not really a reflection on you know working from home during COVID, but it's a movie I really like, and that's Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. <laughs> that certainly would be appropriate for that. That, that is for sure. Um, no, I love that movie. Yeah, that's great. It's one you can watch over and over and over again, too. It, it never gets old. So that would certainly be worth it. So, well, Chris Ranwell, thank you very much for doing this today. I really appreciate you taking the time. Congratulations on uh, everything with the Reachmaster Pro and, and everything else you've got going on there. Um, and I appreciate you, again, taking the time to do this. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for inviting me. It's been great fun.